Hello, it's Molly Cox with SA2020 uh, and here with Kieran Corbains, also with SA2020. And this is a collaborative podcast with SA2020 and KLRN, your public television station called The Story Goes. I did it in that particular voice just for you, Kieran. Thank you. I appreciate it. And also because Jenna's here and silently laughing away from the microphone. (laughs) Oh, goodness, I am indeed. Welcome. (laughs) Do this. It, we are very, very um, professional, right? And y- formal. You cannot laugh out loud. No, you have to silently giggle okay. away from the microphone. My apologies. I'll get it together. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is the story goes. It is a collaborative podcast. It is an opportunity for us to tell more stories of San Antonio, um, and more complete stories of San Antonio. And we are tackling as many things as we possibly can, which is exactly why we've brought Jenna into the studio today. Jenna Salcedo Herrera uh, is uh, the president and CEO of the Economic Development Foundation. San Antonio Economic Development Foundation. That's right. It's the longest name and title in the land. We I, we just call it Edf. <laughs> like I've just turned. That's your new name. You're welcome. You can use it. Okay. Um, and uh, we're we're going to talk uh, most specifically about economic development in San Antonio. But we want to start at sort of a macro macro level, and talk. Uh, uh, more specifically, I think about how we think about economic development in San Antonio, Texas, and Bear County and beyond. And the idea really that we keep being told that we have a jobs problem in San Antonio, and we know that that's not necessarily a complete story. We have a workforce problem in San Antonio, Texas. And what does it look like to be both the community that is uh, having college-educated millennial growth bigger than most other cities, and at the same time, one in six people live in poverty, one in five people can't, or one in five people can't afford their homes. Like, there's, we have such a dichotomy here in San Antonio, and the Economic Development Foundation has very uh, specifically begun tackling that. Um, I'm like, I've just made that your mission. I, I hope that's your mission. I think it is based on the work that we've done together as a, as a community. But I want to start at a macro level because you, Jenna, as the person who leads the Economic Development Foundation, travels all over not only the United States, but the world, um, recruiting companies, people, things. Am I right? That's exactly right. Like, that's basically your job. I'm happy you're here in San Antonio today and we didn't have to do this like in Tokyo or something. (laughs) Um, That's next week. That's next. Okay. Can you tell us, based on like your travels um, across the United States and and abroad, what when you're talking to companies and you're like going on these fancy missions to recruit people here, what are you hearing about our city? So the feedback varies, obviously, based off of different geographies, different industries, different types of people that we're engaging with. But I'll tell you that if you asked me that question five years ago, they weren't thinking anything. Okay. We, weren't, we weren't even on the radar. Okay. Today, that dynamic is changing quite a bit, which is incredible for us and what we're trying to do. But now it's a matter of crafting the narrative, crafting their opinion of San Antonio towards a favorable um, a favorable opinion of what we're trying to do. So um, the Spurs usually rises up to the top. Yeah. We love our Spurs. Right. Uh, the Alamo, you know, they're, they're well aware of our history. Alamo is an incredible asset that we have here. But what we're trying to do is broaden that narrative to really talk more about the talent we have here and the industries that we're trying to grow here. I appreciate that you're bringing up sort of the word narrative, right? We found sort of in our work at SA 2020 that um, 
crafting narratives and then sort of disrupting dominant narratives is incredibly important to doing the work that we do in our community. Um, yeah, actually, uh, before we talk about narrative, I want to know, is it the Spurs or is it just David Robinson? Oh, Ooh. Kieran has a slight obsession with David Robinson. <laughs> do people know about the Spurs or really are they just asking you about this <laughs> one person that is the most fantastic person to ever have lived in San Antonio? <laughs> he is a the most beautiful human being human in the being. universe. This is the point at which we need to stop the podcast and say anybody that can get Kieran to meet <laughs> David Robinson. You've never met the Admiral? <laughs> oh, I can make that happen. He's wonderful, and he and his oh, his no. son are plugged into a lot of what we doing, uh, what we're doing. Community <laughs> oh, she's development. Gonna, she literally is going to die right he here in our myself. closet. I have uh, in, our, in our podcast closet. Well, this is wonderful, also for KLRN because I'll share I'll share the podcast with him as a means to broker the introduction. Oh, look at that. You're, it's going to happen. You're going to end up meeting David Robinson, and I, she's not going to speak. Yeah, We're going to have to speak I'm for speechless. her. She's obsessed. She loves him so much. Believes he's the best San Antonian to walk the earth. Back to, <laughs> we've just sidetracked completely into David Robinson. It's fine. Whatever. We're coming back. Economic development. Narratives. Let's talk narrative. Um, that is part of the challenge. Like, that's part of the work that Economic Development Foundation is doing, is helping sort of, uh, broaden the narrative of who San Antonio is and what we do. And in fact, it's part of the work that you're doing here in sort of disrupting the narrative of needing more um, of our homegrown talent to get the resources um, that they need, right? Which is why San Antonio Works now sits under the EDF. So can you give us sort of like a, I don't know, a quick overview of what EDF does? I can indeed. So first off, you started this conversation by talking about the difference between a jobs challenge and a workforce challenge. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've got to be very clear with perception versus reality and yeah. everything that we say and, and how we continue to influence the narrative. Um, and it starts with awareness, right? So instead of just hearing what others are saying and moving, and by the way, that's a dynamic that we're dealing with across the country. And, sure. Uh, in the day and age of, of information being so readily available, sometimes folks aren't actually learning up on the opinions that they're forming, which is fascinating and we can digress in that regard as well. Um, but, but coming back to San Antonio, I think we have almost been our own worst enemy because we have believed We're, the majority. Sorry, Jenna, I'm going to interrupt you. So, hey, Jenna, we're going to go back um, because it just came into my ears that a computer shutdown needs us to go back and do something. So it's okay because we're going to edit it and like fix it all or whatever. But it's more fun to talk about the fact that this could happen again. <laughs> it's my favorite. This is why I enjoy this podcast, because we're not exactly sure what's happening. It's fine. I also it's kind of like life. I, I like that everyone's silent laughing. I'm very funny. There's just silent laughing happening. OK, so I'm going to go back and talk about shifting narrative. The idea around EDF's job is not only to talk to other businesses and cities here and abroad, but also locally, what does it look like for the EDF to be shifting the narrative, particularly dominant narratives around jobs and workforce? So if you can get like an overview of what EDF does. Uh, definitely. So EDF at the end of the day exists to produce jobs. And that means recruiting new businesses to our market. It also means working with local businesses to grow here. And, and oftentimes that can be boiled down into a simple sales organization. So we're out marketing San Antonio. We are generating leads. Um, and then we project manage and hopefully close on, on a lot of these different deals. Uh, as an organization, though, in recent years, I, I took over the organization about three years ago 
ago um, and have an incredible team that's doing wonderful things. Um, but as we were contemplating our process for transacting and working these different deals, uh, we had to kind of stop and look inwards, look at the product that we were selling, right? The product being the San Antonio region, not just San Antonio proper. Sure. But look at that product and figure out one, uh, is our messaging working? Two, our tactics, our outreach, are they effective? But at the end of the day, is our product effective? Is our product working? Okay. And that translates into community development. So, you know, they always say awareness is the first step, right? Okay. So what we've been doing is taking a, a very, very objective look at our community to see what is really happening and to see what we can address as a community. And so you talked about crafting narratives uh, and you started this podcast by by basically framing the conversation with the challenge. Is it a jobs challenge? Is it a workforce challenge? And when you dig deep, as you know, um, into the numbers, it, at the end of the day, it's a talent development uh, challenge for That's our right. community. And if we can continue to rally around education in our community, if we can continue to rally around uh, building up the, the quality of place, and that means transportation, infrastructure, everything that basically SA 2020 outlines um, and is challenging our community to focus on, if we can continue to think about community development, talent development, quality of place, at the end of the day, our transacting the deal-making that yeah. the EDF does day in and day out will become much more effective. And so you can't do one without the other. Um, these are not mutually exclusive paths, and we've got to bring them together, and we've got to focus on community development. This was ultimately why part of like you sort of turning inward, not only into San Antonio uh, and looking sort of inward that way, but also inward to the Economic Development Foundation. So when you took over three years ago, there was also a, a reshuffling. You ended up taking under Economic Development Foundation San Antonio works, which is internships and externships. And um, we've been the recipient of multiple high school students who have come into SA 2020 as interns, right? Um, understanding that we were trying to figure out how to help young people see the types of jobs that were available to them. Um, the, I'm interested then, right, in how EDF is helping disrupt sort of what we believe is the perception of San Antonio as it exists externally and internally even. Mm -hmm. So you talked about uh, bringing SA Works under their portfolio uh, of the EDF. And so when I joined the organization, uh, we were 100% focused on recruitment of new jobs. And if you can imagine that dynamic, so we're out, we're recruiting effectively uh, and further cannibalizing on, let's use manufacturing as an example. We all know that Toyota struggled for years and years to uh, close the gap on specifically advanced manufacturing technicians and what they were trying to hire. Okay. Meanwhile, we're out recruiting more companies and cannibalizing on that existing workforce. Okay. And so we stepped back as an organization. We diversified our suite of services. So retention expansion became important. Entrepreneurial development became important workforce development is the end all be all in my opinion. In fact, I don't think you can even classify our organization as an economic development entity. We've got to be a workforce development entity because they're one and the same. Okay. But you asked a specific question about um, disrupting the narrative. And I think it starts with differentiating perception and reality. Mm -hmm. Because we in San Antonio, we happen to be our own worst enemy. And we continue to craft a narrative that one is anti-helpful outside of market, but two, it's anti-productive locally. If we truly want to understand the challenges that we have, we've got to look at the data. We've got to go back to the sources. And then as a community, we've got to prioritize what will make a difference. We have so many different well-meaning organizations. We've got so many different initiatives. What 
are the priorities? What should we be funding? And that's actually why I'm such a fan of SA 2020's work, because you helped us take such a complicated concept and boil it down into what mattered over the last decade. And and we've been executing to that. We've got a lot of work still to do as a right, community, right. but but at least we're rallying around the reality um, as opposed to just skewed perceptions. I appreciate this idea of you also saying sort of this, you use the word cannibalizing, right? So if advanced manufacturing or Toyota is saying, hey, we end up getting people in, we finally get the talent we need to to make Toyota work here locally. And then you've now brought in 10 more businesses who are taking the talent because we're not helping our homegrown workforce. And over the course of the last, particularly, I would say four or five years, we've seen a very specific sort of market around target industries, advanced manufacturing, IT, health care, biosciences, even green industries, um, and helping sort of our, our young people who are moving through high school and college see the types of jobs that are available, but then also on the opposite end, really helping um, adults who are already in the workforce see the types of jobs that they could be moving towards with certificates or finalizing a college degree. Um, so I'm. it's been an interesting sort of watch to see education and industry start having very serious conversations. We've talked about talent, um, not only in San Antonio and then also perceptions across the board. Uh, the idea, Kieran and I were on the way over here talking about how um, you are also talent. You're welcome. That's it. Jenna, you're a talent. Um, and how you came into this position three years ago um, and how that occurred and what what happened from there. Like you came from CPS Energy. I did. Um, how, what was that transition like that it ended up you running this thing? <laughs> so uh, let's be clear. I wasn't remotely interested in the role um, early on. So I, I was working at CPS Energy at the time. I was a vice president of public affairs and brands. So that just basically meant I ran corporate communications, corporate philanthropy uh, and economic development. Mm -hmm. And in that role um, as an investor, of the San Antonio Economic Development Foundation, I served on the board. And we were, as a community, going through significant change. And we're continuing on that trajectory of transformative change and growth. And the board at the time, led by USAA and Valero and HEB and so many others, um, basically said, we need a leader that can um, not only take us into the next era of competitiveness for our San Antonio region, but a leader that understands our region and that can relate because we're a we're a funky little town. You know, we've got a lot going on for us, but our, the our fact that funky town just started playing in my brain. <laughs> can we do that? Yeah, yeah we, we could. So we um, not to digress too far. and I'll come back to sure. my transition to the role. You know, I don't like talking about myself, but mm -hmm. I, I will do it. You're on um, a podcast and that's what we ask. That's what we do. <laughs> so um, but, you know, San Antonio is interesting. We've got a, a parochial political environment. And again, I just mentioned earlier, sometimes we're our own worst critic and um, you have to really be sticky to San Antonio. I mean, we're, we're all moving a rock uphill, right? Trying to transform our community. And it is a lot of hard work. We've all rolled up our sleeves. We're in it for the long haul. But sometimes it gets challenging, right? And so if if folks aren't sticky to San Antonio, folks aren't sticky and, and thinking about the long-term trajectory of our community, it's easy for talented people to find jobs outside of market. And all too often that happens. And I'm hopeful that we can reverse that 
um, negative trajectory. Well, you're also, it's, again, I know we're digressing, but you're also talking about sort of incremental change, this idea that it, we, we're we not looking at like changing something tomorrow, right? We're looking at sort of putting pieces into place that ultimately allow us to change the trajectory in a long term um, and being able to sort of celebrate that incremental progress while also saying we still have work to do. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed, just being very real, being very objective. Um, it truly is a marathon. Um, but every now and then we're getting in those those different sprints, right, to get there. Um, but okay, so you asked me how I transitioned in the job. So um, we were going through the significant transition as an organization, as a community. Um, and I actually served on the search committee, believe it or not, to identify um, the successor for... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to giggle, but it's like, I was on the search committee and we were searching and I was like, it's me. Yeah. No, no, not at all. In okay. fact, we interviewed some incredible candidates, you know, best in class economic development professionals with all sorts of acronyms behind their names, you name it. Um, and then at the end of the day, as we were shortlisting and we were bringing folks down, um, the board chairman asked me if I would consider it. And I laughed just like you did right now. <laughs> right. I, I was in my office at CPS Energy and I laughed and he said, I'm actually serious and, and I'd like you to think about it. You know, we we aren't looking for a traditional economic developer. We're not looking for um, just any leader. We're looking for a leader for right now in San Antonio and where it's such a unique uh, and pivotal point as a community, we need that type of leader to take us there. Um, and I figured, why not just run out the ground ball? Again, still wasn't interested. Mm -hmm. um, but after having conversations through the interview process with uh, folks like Graham Weston and Henry Cisneros and um, so many under, other wonderful leaders here, I realized that um, kind of wasn't an option. It was, it was a duty. And I am humbled to have had the opportunity to lead the EDF and the, the wonderful team over the last three years. We've done some some great work. We've mm -hmm. had talk about incremental progress. We've had two of the best performing years in our organization's history based off of our traditional KPIs. Now we're digging deeper and saying, OK, you know, the headlines are great. We've recruited, you know, PenFed. We've recruited EY, Victory Capital. But we've really got to focus on the trend lines if we really want San Antonio to be successful in the long term. Jenna, there's research that shows that women and particularly women of color will opt out of job opportunities. I'm curious then what you would say to your younger self about where you're at now. Mm, good question. So, um, look, I'm never one to turn down opportunities. Um, and I think we when we're going through the decision making process, I think it's easy for us to talk ourselves out of it um, without thinking we're saying no. Hmm. And so when I was considering this role, um, I was basically explaining to myself and to others all of the reasons why I wouldn't be good at it. You know, it was it was um, a front facing position, very political. I'm actually not interested in any of that. I'm a raging introvert. Um, and Molly knows, you know, the, being out, being the face, it, it exhausts me. I can do it. It just exhausts me. I mm -hmm. prefer to be behind the scenes making it happen. And so I was talking a lot about, you know, the political environment. You know, there's so many different stakeholders, so many different bosses. And I remember having a conversation, believe it or not, with the current CEO of CPS Energy, Paula Gold Williams. It was about midnight because they had given me a 24 hour window. Oh, wow. And she said, um, she said, you know what, Jenna, I'm really going to need you. By the way, she was in the running for that top job at the time. And I think she was talking to herself when she was talking to me. She it's said, important to say real quick, I'm going to yeah. come back to it. Kieran's love of David Robinson is like my love of Paula Gold Williams. 
I love her so much. You're going to love her even more. Give me all the anecdotes. You're going to love her even more. So I'm on the phone with her again. I'm I'm really thinking through this and talking myself out of it because I had a great gig and um, this was just a very different type of role. And she said, Jenna, you know, I really need you to stop telling me why it's not going to (laughs) work. Tell me how you're going to make it work because I know you can. And furthermore, tell me how I can help you make it work. Are we done here? I love that PGW. I love her so And much. I said, you know what? Again, I think she was talking to done? herself. She's like, are we done? I yeah. got to go. Yeah, I'm busy. Yeah. But I think she was talking to herself as she, yeah. as she was thinking through that. So getting back to your question, you know, we just, um, we think ourselves out of opportunities more so than we talk ourselves out of opportunities. Mm. Um, and, and for this specific role, um, I just dove in and, and it's been great. Now it hasn't been easy, um, but it's been a whole hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Ooh, we can't cuss. <laughs> I think you're allowed to say hella. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's not really cussing, I don't think. It works on primetime television. Darn. Yeah, it's, it's been a whole darn lot of fun. I actually first heard you tell this story while I was at the city of San Antonio, where I served as the chief equity officer. And I remember hearing in hearing your transition story as someone who was um, the youngest one of the youngest, if not the youngest executive um, as chief equity officer, so badly wanting to hear. And I think also we're both Rattlers. Is that right, Jenna? We are. St. Mary's. Go St. Mary's. (laughs) So badly wanting you to speak to, as I listened, so badly wanting to hear what it was like for you to pursue this position. And I remember at the time that you emphasized um, and in a in a very humbly I should say that you were the best candidate for the job ultimately right like you were able to see how your skills and knowledge and experience made the most sense for you to lead EDF Um, and at the same time right I was wanting to hear more from you about what it meant to be a woman what it meant to be a millennial what it meant to be a person of color and I all and 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 I think oh it's also so tiring to (laughs) have to constantly sort of being asked to that or respond to that or to and especially when you're like I just want to get the job done and I know that I'm the best person to do it I know that I'm a competitive person to do it what is what is it about it that something that what's a question around this uh, area of your identity that you're either so tired of talking about or a question that you feel like doesn't ever get asked about it so let's talk about the headlines when I was selected and um, the headlines, by the way, when any woman, yeah. <laughs> when any Latina, mm-hmm. um, when any young person is selected for any role. Yeah. Um, and so let me give you a few. I think one of them was, you know, young millennials selected for EDF top job. Another one was something about um, a Latina uh, executive from CPS Energy. N- nowhere in there uh, was my name, right? right. Or um, obviously they talked about my pedigree. The best one, ladies, was Uh-oh. Jenna from the block. Nuh-uh. Look, I, there was Stop one. It right. <laughs> yep. Stop it right yep. now. Yeah, so l- let me be very serious. I was pissed. Well, yeah. When I started reading all these oh, headlines no. because... Look, I had seen the other candidates. They were wonderful, but you're right. I I humbly believed, um, and clearly the board knew that I was the best for the job. And I remember having a conversation, um, actually, um, probably someone you're equally as fascinated by and in love with, Jennifer Cantu with Bank of America. Mm, Yes. So we were in LSA together, and we were at a reception when all of this was going down. And um, she was so proud and so happy, again, in very similar position. And um, she asked me what I thought about the headlines. And I said, you know, to be honest, they're they're getting on my nerves because <laughs> that's all they're talking about. That that's they're leading with the fact that I'm young, the fact that I'm a woman, and the fact that I'm Latina. And um, I said, I'm kind of tired of it because I 
I was the best for the job and, yeah. and I'm going to be the best for the job and I'm going to do what I can to serve this community. And uh, she said in many more words than this, that I needed to get over myself. Mm. And, and here's what changed the way that I positioned that narrative going forward. And all the times I have a chance to talk about this and, and to engage with, with young leaders and, and young females and students across the board, she said, you are in a position to influence so many lives around our community, whether you realize it or not, there are young Latinas looking at you as an example. And so you have the rare opportunity and the rare platform to influence if you do so effectively. Mm -hmm. And so stop complaining about the headlines and lean into it, right? Because I had worked in a male dominated organization, CPS Energy for so long sure. to the point where, you know, I was only wearing pantsuits, only wearing black and brown, always had my hair in a, in a low ponytail, rarely wore makeup. And that's what you're trained to do. You're trained to, in essence, be a robot. And I was a damn good robot. Mm -hmm. right? right, right, right. Um, and I had worked my way up through the leadership ranks. But being in this role and having that conversation, conversation with Jennifer, conversation with Paul and uh, so many other women in this community, including you, Molly, um, I have been able to to accept that and embrace it and use it to ideally influence others. Uh, not necessarily something I signed on for, but I know it can move the needle and I'm, I'm willing to do that. Yeah, there's something about, I appreciate that a lot. I think it's like sort of walking us through that space. There's also something very specific about being in economic development, right? Like the moment that we say that out loud, it's like it immediately conjures up dudes in suits, mm -hmm. right? And what it looks like then to sort of shift that completely. Um, we've had multiple conversations without microphones in front of us, um, which is always enjoyable. Uh, but I, I will say there's a component of you taking over three years ago where you're saying, hey, we went sort of introspective, right? Like, what are we doing as an organization? What are we supposed to be doing? There was a very significant shift when you took over of, yes, we are recruiting and we should be going out and getting the best companies in our community, right? Um, and then this secondary shift, which you've spoken about, which is, and we also should make sure that we have the people here who, A, can take those jobs and B, what are we doing about it? If economic development is not about education and infrastructure, and transportation, then what is it about exactly? Um, and that's, I feel, right, whether that's a, it immediately brings to my brain, of course, you were the best person for the job. You understood all of the interrelatedness and connectedness of, right? Um, and that's not just because you're sitting in this room, I would tell anyone that. Um, and that's, I think, important. Um, it, I guess my question to you as we sort of wrap up is, as the person who's leading the Economic Development Foundation, as a person who understands sort of the interrelatedness of uh, education and transportation and economic development and housing, et cetera, what's your like call to action? A person who's been sitting here listening, what do you think that they, wh what can we do to sort of get them compelled to participate in where we're going as a community? I would say not to be intimidated by such a broad term like economic development, because mm -hmm. oftentimes uh, you hear that word and you think, oh, it's so grandiose, it's so complicated. You know, how can I dive in? We, each and every San Antonian uh, and broadly folks around the region yeah. can influence our economic trajectory as a community. We have to figure out how we can influence Um that might even be uh, building awareness for different uh, degree paths, career paths with your own children. It might be getting out and telling your, your personal story mm. more often than you'd like to. Uh, it might be just educating yourself on what's happening in our community. And at the end of the day, 
I think it all boils down to voting because if there's one lesson we've learned over the last couple of years, few years, it's that we as a community and we as a country are driven in large part by the people who are elected into office. And if we truly want to move the needle, we just have to get active. You figure out what your active means. But voting, I think, is the easiest way to get engaged and to make a difference. Love. I mean, obviously, I'm never going to be like, no, don't vote. That's so good. Right. Um, There's so many things I think um, we will, of course, share all the resources um, on KLRN.org slash the story goes. Um, There are things particularly like jobs reports that are coming out from San Antonio Works that are being uh, pushed out to say, like, here's where we're growing. Here's where we're not. Here's what's happening locally, et cetera. Um, I. I feel like there's so many things that are going on right now. Um, EDF is currently leading um, a regional economic development strategy um, in quick, like what's an overview of like, what does that mean to lead a regional economic development strategy? Mm-hmm. So I mentioned that when I joined EDF, we broadened our suite of services. We also refined our, our focus. And, and as you mentioned, we are target industry driven at current. So now that we have our house in order, mm-hmm. right, we're at a point where we can look beyond just San Antonio proper to truly position the broader region. And we're bringing all these different stakeholders and allies together across the region to figure out what that strategy is. How can we uh, uniquely position ourselves to win, right? Instead of trying to be all things to all people, instead of having eight target industries just because these are the industries that have been growing organically. Mm -hmm. Let's get serious about how we can compete. And then when we do that, how we can develop the talent so that this is a long-term goal. Um, If you look at top performing metros all over the country, all over the world for that matter, they're usually structured in more of a regional um, consortium partnership of sorts. Uh, Even in the state of Texas, look at Houston, look at Dallas, look at Austin. Uh, San Antonio has a lot of work to do, but the great thing is we've got the right leaders within the different organizations that are uh, moving beyond their own egos uh, and organizational relevancy and they're focused specifically on what matters for our community. Ugh, moving beyond your ego. I appreciate the picture that you've painted for us, Jenna, especially in sharing your own personal story, because it illustrates, as we say at SA 2020 all the time, we as individuals make up the systems that we're seeking to change. So hearing you say, don't get dissuaded or don't be discouraged by how large and looming or overwhelming economic competitiveness or economic development feels. Um, You've shown for us that we are capable of affecting change, whether we're a neighbor or we lead a company or we work within a company. Um, There's possibility to to move the needle on across all the things that we hope to do in order to reach our vision. Yeah, I love the idea of like not thinking yourself out of something. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, let's just sit in that for a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, Jenna, thank you for coming in here to our closet and doing the podcast with us. In the dark. I love it so much that we do this. Um, We talk to people about the things that they're doing, either quietly or loudly, disrupting the way um, San Antonio is working currently. So I appreciate it. You know, I'm sort of a fan. It's fine. I mean, you're not David Robinson. (laughs) I got you, Karen. I, we're just going to keep saying his or name. Or Paula. Or Paula Gold. You can't just keep saying his name till he, till he becomes a listener. And then he'll be or a guest. He, will he fit in well, this closet? When he will not fit in the closet, but maybe we can manifest him if we say David Robinson enough. Um, thank you for doing this. Uh, this is uh, The Story Goes, which is a collaborative podcast between SA 2020 and KLRN. And you can get all the resources at klrn.org slash the story goes. Um, and don't think yourself out of stuff. Jump in. Ha, 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 ha.